One, two, three. Well, I'm really surprised that we haven't yet seen a newspaper article about someone marrying their Alexa. Alexa, will you turn off that shot? Is it some sort of fidget spinner? It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard. Welcome to Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z with a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm Mark Steadman. I look like a fish, move like a fish, and steer like a cow. I'm John Hickman, and I'm feeling quite relaxed and ready for a little callousness, but I can't remember if I've said that before, sorry. <laughs> I'm John Burns, and I've already been replaced by something even more bizarre and inexplicable. Uh, thanks to everyone who's voted for us in the British Podcast Awards Listener's Choice poll. If you haven't already cast your vote, you could uh, just tip us over the edge. Um, so head to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote and search for us by name. Thank you. Uh, and now, on to a prestigious brand. Laszlo Lyrican is a customizer of spacecraft to the staggeringly wealthy. He customized the disaster area's limo and is said by Ford Prefect to have no shame. Laszlo Lyrican also lent its name to a convention of Hitchhikers fans. The first was in our home city of Birmingham, and there's a link in the show notes to an episode of Saturday Review which scratches the surface of Adam's move into the world of interactive fiction. But going back to Laszlo himself, Mr Hickman, do you think Adams might have missed the later trend towards minimalism and away from gaudy trinkets, which were a bit more of the hallmark of the wealthy in the 70s? Um, I, 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 mm. <clears throat> you don't accept the premise of the question. <laughs> I'm trying not to say that because that's, that's my that's <laughs> my meme. Um, don't feel bad, John. I was about just to not accept the premise of the question as well. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough then. Bad question then. Okay, bad question. No, that's fine. well, so... You, I put it to you, Mr. Stedman. Um, mm. I I think that there's that the seventies weren't that that um, that minimalist, particularly. No, that's what I'm saying. The the opposite. Well, I'm saying that I'm saying that the seventies weren't minimalist. I'm saying that the seventies. Uh, I think I I feel like it was more uh, in keeping with the period for people in the seventies to you know the, the the wealthy to have more gaudy things, uh, and I'm saying that now that is not the case because designery type things tend to be or you know the things that the uh the people with money and taste and maybe there's a difference there uh tend to not be quite so gaudy and and maybe that's where the fault lies in the question is the is is the lumping in of having money and taste so i was going to say that um in the 70s everything lots of things only looked gaudy because everything else was brown you see <laughs> um, but uh so in the 70s if you were wealthy that meant you'd got something. In the 80s, you had to show you'd got something. In the 90s, then, you had to pretend you didn't have it. Uh, (laughs) In the 2000s, you simply have to take a photo of it and put it on Instagram. But um, the... uh, Yeah, I don't know. Are we saying that... um, are we suggesting that it might have been nicer if uh, older Laszlo would have uh, produced a very sleek, understated, uh, modernist um, spaceship? Yeah, that's. I think that's that's the like the disconnect between the world of of when Adams was writing, and I think what we have now. I think now we would we would take something that would be quite classy, whereas it would have been more in keeping i think in the time for it to have been quite showy okay, so i don't think um as interesting as that as interesting as that discussion is i think that regardless of um the the culture's idea of of taste at the time i think that um 
disaster area would have a Gordy limo. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that, that band would. Yes. I, I, so I, I guess it depends on on where you see them as as fitting in in our understanding of kind of music and genres and those sorts of things. But this there's there is a definitely going to be some flamboyance to them. Whether it's kind of glam rock or prog rock, I don't know. Um, I, I've always imagined it as as um, as kind of prog prog in space, but with some glam uh, adjacency. <laughs> I would, I would, I would go heavily on the glam. I would think um, they, they're more, you know, to 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 bring it slightly more up to date. They're more like the darkness than they are, um, or maybe more more like Muse, oh. but gaudier oh. <laughs> and tackier. That's very well done, Mark. Because actually, I think we have to have to nail it that dark disaster area are essentially Pink Floyd. Yeah, which means. The Pink Floyd, yes, were prog and were very sort of out there to to start mm-hmm. with. But I think we also have to say that Pink Floyd, if nothing uh, else, didn't um, follow trends exactly as they kept going. They're a band that I would uh, – you know how Bowie's uh, always said to be sort of chameleonic mm-hmm. and he's like one step ahead of the culture? Pink Floyd are almost like that, but maybe just a couple of – years behind <laughs> so just they're just lagging slightly behind the culture it's pink floyd but but much much louder i think that's the that's the, the thing that we're not addressing with disaster area is they are very 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 loud one louder uh, and i think that's not just the music uh and now to a work of art Leader and the Octopus is something of which a statue was made. It used to sit in the office of the guide's editor-in-chief, but now doesn't. Um, Of course, we all know that this is a play on the artworks based on the Greek myth of Leader, who comes across Zeus disguised as a swan. We sure do, Mark. We sure do. I was actually going to to say that you might want to change that, but from the story I know, I think actually the swan comes across Leader. Oh, Jonathan (laughs) Bounds. Badum. Tish. Well, Mr. Bounds, given that Van Hal, uh, the new editor of the guide, got rid of all of the old art adorning the office, what do you think he would have replaced it with? A Newton's cradle. Oh, um, yeah. And some stress toys. Yeah, oh, yes, but not to... Um, maybe one of those things where you uh, push your face through uh, and all the pins move uh, in a spooky way. Uh, I don't think I know what that is. You know, it's like... A, is it some sort of fidget spinner? It's like a bed, it's like a bed of nails, but they're not naily. And they're, uh, you, put, you put anything into it and it takes on the shape of it. I'm, uh, I will Google it for you, but you try it with your face. It's a, it's a bed of nails for Action Man because it's the scale's not very big. You try it with your hand, you try it with your face, you try it with other parts of your um, anatomy, and uh, it shows you sort of extruded plastic but made of metal nail version of what have you. Um, it's I'm like not, very early 3D printing. I'm not explaining this very yeah. well, am I? Um, no, no, I think I'm understanding. It's it's almost a proto-kinetic sand. Ooh, I'll cut it So uh, Van Hal uh, is, of course, I must spoil it. Uh, can, we, can I spoil it? I'm assuming that, I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> I would think he's so. a bit vogue on me, isn't he? <laughs> um, <laughs> so he's not going to, if he has art, it's it's not going to be great, although the Greek statue thing doesn't sound particularly good anyway. But um, it's, it, yes, it's much more likely to be the trappings of a, uh, a you know, a mid, middlingly important uh, executive. Um, maybe a sort of modernist print with flashes in grey and red. <laughs> nice. 
And now, uh, let's go back to shipbuilding. Levinus is the designer of the Starship Titanic, who fell in love with the computer inside. In the game, you have to assemble all the various parts of the ship that were scattered around it and build a giant metal woman, at which point you're given a video message from Levinus, as played by Douglas Adams, in which he gifts you the ship. We're all creators of one stripe or another, so I wanted to know, uh, semi-seriously, what kinds of real relationships you've had with the things you've created. I think I, th- I was wondering about this, and I was uh, relationships in the in the broadest sense. Um, there's a little bit, of, you know, buyer's remorse. There's a little bit of sort of. Uh, I don't know, and sort of like wanker's guilt. There's a little bit of... Uh, Creator's regret. Yeah. Uh, once, you've, <laughs> once you've sort of laid something to bed, as it were, it's... When you finished it, it's shit. It's absolutely awful. <laughs> uh, and I find... No, I, 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 I would slightly pick you up on that i think when you put something to bed it's the best thing in the world it's when you come to do the next thing that's slightly like it then you go the thing that you that certainly this is my my thing anyway uh, I'm, I'm i'm you know often intensely proud with the thing i've just created and then i come to make the next thing that's like it and go oh my god the first thing i created was awful Ooh, I'm, I'm the other way around i always think that this new stuff i create can't hold a candle to my early work <laughs> <laughs> i always preferred your uh, your older stuff I mean, I, I, thanks Mark. i'm a i'm a, I'm a hipster uh, <laughs> My, it's my own uh, work. Basically, there's a, there's a continuing uh, theme in the... Um, I know we don't often consider the uh, most recent non-Adams book um, part of the canon, but uh, the, um, the theory of someone falling in love with their computer is picked up uh, in that as well. Mm. Uh, Arthur, in that instance, um, and... But it's it's he didn't create it, so it's, but it's it's interesting. There's a kind of Arthur is pining for something he knew and will make do with the simulation. But Levinus is um, essentially um, I don't know how much it comes over in the game, but in the book he's a staggeringly vain man. Mm. Um, so he's essentially falling in love with a, a facet of his own personality there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I I I don't think that is very well or very much communicated in the game to be honest because we only really meet him at the end now there there could be because of because you know video game gonna video game it could be that there's all sorts of hidden content i mean there's a lot of nonsense in that in that game uh the, the, so there could be something that points more towards his personality but i don't think there's there's huge amounts mentioned um just yeah he just seems misguided um and and yeah he's he's created something and then he's he's fallen in love with it i yeah i as as someone who's who's made a few things every now and again uh like the the project that i that i'm working on at the moment um it's like it really does feel like uh not to um not to be uh, disingenuous to anyone who actually has children, but it like it's the it's probably the closest thing I've got so far that I want to nurture it and take care of it and um, help pack it off to school and I watch it closely and carefully and I worry about it and I have sleepless nights over it and I don't want people to to bully it or be mean to it and you know so I, like that those are the kinds of relationships I have with with the things that I'm most proud of. Um, I don't know if that's anything that um, that Mr. Hickman r- rings true to you. Um, 
I think I don't really have much to kind of add to to that stock of of uh, of feelings and ideas really beyond beyond what you two have already talked about in terms of you know there's the the things that you might think were were rubbish retrospectively the things you might be d- deeply proud of I, d- I don't tend to anthropomorphize my, my work too too much um, I just wanted to talk about the um, uh, kind of computer relationships thing. Mm. I'm really surprised that we haven't yet seen um, a newspaper article about someone marrying their Alexa. Oh, God. Yeah. I'm surprised this hasn't happened yet or, or, uh, you know, um, or their Siri or or whatever these voice things, whatever their their Stripe of voice assistant is. Because in the early days of the internet, uh, back back in the days of the web when, when, you know, the web was a bit bit more... uh, bit more for us perhaps um you'd get these sorts of stories wouldn't you they you get people doing very strange things with the web and everybody would go oh you did a strange thing there's with the also web. a transition there's also a tradition of people particularly japanese people marrying quite weird uh things as well as um oh it's not for us to judge john is well, it, really? okay I'm not, <laughs> well i mean yeah I'm it not, is i mean we could judge and that, that german woman who married the berlin wall yes yes this doesn't happen anymore, does it? Well, according to um, Vocative, or Vocative, uh, of October the 28th, 2018, uh, they, they have an article that says, Want to marry Amazon's Alexa? You're not alone. Amazon oh. reports that some 250,000 people proposed to the voice assistant through their echo speaker. Now, that's not the same, obviously, as, as you know, a, as, as your woman who or these people who think they're in love with inanimate objects. Um, but, you know, maybe 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 there's one there tucked away somewhere. There's an interesting thing, but I don't know about your relationship with um, your Internet home device thing. But there's a sort of um, if there are other people here, there's a kind of like a but almost like a performative asking when you know it can't uh, it can't get it right. So um, mm. you go like it, it's playing some music, maybe some some music someone else has put on, and you go, uh, Alexa, um, will you turn off that shite? Or Alexa, <laughs> will you play some good music? And then Alexa, of course, goes, Hmm, I'm afraid I don't know that. Or whatever, yeah. Um, but I, I've been, yeah. I don't have good music in your uh, library. But this, this is this is my idea. This is my <laughs> idea for a hack. You see, so ah. what you do, you record some things, whatever they are, doesn't matter. You could record Mark uh, some nice tunes, and we upload them to Spotify with the band name <laughs> Good Music or Decent yes. Music or, or Better, better music, music or whatever. Turn the yeah, shit off. Turn the shit off, and it will. Play them, and we get to play them, and sit back and count our naught point naught 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 eight pences from Spotify. <laughs> okay, so we'll 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 create a couple of bands. Uh, one of them is called That Doesn't Suck, and another one is called That Is Better, and another one is um, yeah That Isn't Awful. And then you can say <laughs> play something that isn't awful, um, and uh, and yeah, we, we'll have uh, we'll have some music. That, I, that's a fine idea. Put adverts of Beware of the Leopard in there, right? No actual music. Yeah, of course. That's fair. And now to a couple of minor items. Life Begins at 550 is a book less popular than The Guide. Mr Hickman, if we take the Earth equivalent, we might expect that a person could live for another 30 to 40 years after the age at which we say life begins. Do you think that's true of a species whose age runs into the multiple centuries, or are they the subject of a cruel joke at which they drop dead after a mere 20? <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. 
Um, I oh, I don't think I'd want to live that long. Um, not not in a. It's too long, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, not in a not in a all, all me aching bones kind of a way. Um, if 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 you assume that your uh, that your fitness um is is mapped either proportionally across that space or even better so that you only spent still only spend the last 10 or 15 years being infirm um i just think like oh, i'm turning 40 next year and i've, I've already started my third career <laughs> I've, i wouldn't have the patience to start another 27 or whatever uh, 210 <laughs> careers <laughs> or whatever, whatever it would take for me to, to get to get through life i'm just buying a house again that's my third one of those i'm, I'm tired of doing that um, you know, they're never going to make a better television show than Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Why bother? Um, no, no. Um, I, I'm glad that I'm on this on this particular part of the continuum. And if my life began at 220, I don't know what the... Oh, God. That's an interesting point about longevity, because I was thinking then that um, our lives are, you know, six score and ten or whatever. And um, we find enough people to um, overlap culturally with so we can pine back after the same TV shows or whatever. I know I sit back, sit back a little bit further in the, uh, in the spectrum maybe than, than you two, but, um, but not by much. Oh yeah, but I, but yes, but I, you're going about, but you're going <laughs> about things from the early nineties and I'll go about things from the late seventies a lot of the time. But, but <laughs> if, so if, if the, that's a mindset thing though, that that's not an actual oh, no, age thing. That's not, just, no. that's just John. But, well, no, the, the actual the actual fulcrum around which John and I uh, are situated is uh, the Smiths and Morrissey. Oh, God, that's... Uh... Because I'm just too young to really like the Smiths and Morrissey, whereas you're just the right age, aren't you, John? It is, yeah. Well, al- although no one is the right age to like Morrissey anymore, but the... No, um, no one anymore. We don't like so him anymore. So if we, put, we pivot on that, that, felt, that sort of fulcrum, you would have to have culture that was either accessed at a different speed or that moved at a different speed if you were say i don't know so five, say 550 is like two-thirds of the way through so you live to sort of 800 um you couldn't have so many people that the space would be filled up so that you'd be able to find enough people that sort of aligned with you culturally so say if i was um i don't know say if i was 500 now i'd be i don't know i'd be a little bit too um but I would, I'd be really into green sleeves and sort of, um, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I'd be harking back to the days of the uh, the madrigal and uh, you guys would still be around, but you wouldn't, you'd only be, you'd only be, you'd only be 200 and you'd like your, uh, I don't know, um, Victorian literature and we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't be able to connect. We just wouldn't get along. Well, Mark, uh, Mark would be really, really into the Industrial Revolution, but he'd have just missed the agricultural. Um <laughs> I mean, he's a big, he's a, yeah. Yeah, he's a big fan of Jethro Tull and the uh, whatever you mean, the arch- 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 agricultural screw or whatever invented. Technology peaked at the spinning jenny. There's the, there there is a, a an interesting thing in the way that uh, in the way that experience does does level off. As much as we're kind of joking that you know we we, we we're separated by years, um, this, uh, uh, we can also pass. I was at a wedding and. Um, the groom's a couple of years older than me, and uh, so a lot of his friends are a couple of years older than me. We, we went to the same school, but um, I knew them socially through things that were external to the school because you tend to not really mix with people more than a year above or a year below you at school. Um, and they were kind of two, two years above me. 
But what's interesting is that my nephew, who was born when I was 11, so he's even further removed in time from the con- constructive school uh, and those school, the, um, the school years from these people. He now knows some of those people socially and is their peer. So he's kind of, I'm a generation older than him. They're a few years older than me, but somehow as you leave that kind of that system that kind of traps you in those particular age positions, you get to the point where everyone's over 25 and under 50. And it's like, wow, you're all the same now. Um, d- does that make sense? What I just said, I don't know if that makes sense. I think it does. And I think it makes particular sense in quite tightly knit uh, communities or particularly sort of- Oh, are you course. having a joke about Guernsey again? No, 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 I'm not. I was going to say that happens in, in, sort of in North Boone, particularly around sort of like, if I go down the um, sports club uh, where- like yes. my mates and family drink, I would quite happily stand and have a drink with, you know, people from sort of 70 to slightly under 18, probably. And they'll all be friends with, I'm not telling you where it is, uh, police. And they'll, uh, you know, they'll all be friends together. And there is a cultural, in within those cultural spaces, at least, they probably, they are peers. Mm. They probably have tighter cultural grips. And it, that, you know, but they have to, they've got, in that instance, probably location and stuff to talk about rather than uh, they probably don't spend a lot of time talking about buffet for example right i've j- just going back to your other thing actually i've just thought of imagine how much more difficult our conversations about brexit would be in this scenario because you would you would literally have people talking about the magna carta wouldn't you because they'd have been there but there's um there's it, there's was something in the um uh in the papers recently about some of the grandchildren of a very, very early US president are still alive. Oh, wow. He was, um, I think, quite fairly young when he was a president and lived to a ripe old age and had children very old, as did one of his children and, and, and so on and so forth. But they were like, yeah, yeah, my, my granddad was president, like, well, they wouldn't talk like that because they're nearly 100. But, uh, <laughs> and they're Americans. <laughs> Christ, I cannot do a 100-year-old American voice. Sorry. I, hang on. Uh, George Burns. Um, Fake a night crazy. Uh, were, uh, yeah. That was okay. <laughs> See, I would I would have gone for the, the Mel Brooks 2,000-year-old man, but I can't do a, a very good um, old Jew. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now, very quickly, uh, an honourable mention of this. The Life Supporto system supports life on the Grebulon ship, and it's perhaps the laziest name anyone has ever come up, uh, come up with for a piece of sci-fi. Unless anyone's got any objections or can think of something worse, we'll move on. Is it part of the same line as the Killers app? Oh, there are several of these. Um, he he will he will take kind of anything and just put an anything that has two or more words in uh, and just put an O in the middle. Uh, so there are actually quite a few. Well, of it's like it's like putting I in front of everything. If you're if you're the apple of uh, the uh, early run of the second coming of Steve Jobs, I think you're right. I think there's a, there's a little bit of a you know uh, Doug's having a little bit of a joke with us and himself about that, but there's so much depth in the LIFO support system thing. It's absolutely absolutely perfect it's telling us stuff about the character of the grebulon's culture uh that it's dull and boring and stuff and it's <laughs> foreshadowing the idea that they're possibly again vogon sorry if not everybody turns out to be a vogon in this uh, series of books but um it's 
Yeah, no, I just think I, I, it's it's lovely. Congratulations. Um, so have, a, have a day off. <laughs> oh, good. Um, so, yeah, so someone someone likes life support system. I think in, in terms of what that actual machine does, I think it, it, it has a big impact uh, and, and shapes, you know, pretty much um the entire story of of book five uh, and we we talked about it when uh, when we talked about the grebulons um i think yeah i just uh, i just come up against the um slightly lazy naming convention but i support i think this is a, this is a function of what happens when you read through the books uh for, for purposes of research and you start gathering uh various things uh you start to see the patterns more clearly and more closely than you might have if you'd have read the books more spaced out um, the same thing happened to me with Discworld. I got into a, a, a big run of, of just devouring Discworld books for a time and I was having a great time and then I spotted the formula and I was enjoying the formula for a bit because it wasn't taxing and there, were, there was the odd chuckle. And then after a while, uh, some of the jokes just became, you know, when you could, when you could see them and the plot points coming a, a mile away sort of lost some of the the luster and that's only really a function of reading them back to back um which they they're not meant to be because that's not how they came out which side of the fence we're going to fall on on this particular one depends on how much credit you want to give douglas for this whether or not he really was being lazy or whether or not because i sometimes well john I've, i wanted to ask you a question about this actually which is you, you are both our resident douglas biographer uh, and you are also our resident um, publishing editor, aren't you? So, is this is this a piece of markup for him to come back and fix? It could be. I've got. A, there's not really, as far as I'm aware, any evidence that Douglas really wrote like that. He seemed to spend an awful long time getting everything straight in his head, and then sort of like split, you know, produced absolutely nothing that he could show anybody, and then. In, in almost in a in a vomit, splurge everything out onto the page, straight into the back of a um, a pickup truck going off to the printers, as it <laughs> were. So there was. Um, it's possible that this argument would have been had by his editor with him if there was enough time to have it. <laughs> if you see what I mean? Yes. Um, uh, it's it's the sort of th- yeah it's the sort of thing your editor in this day and age would put a little um, word comment on and say uh, are we sure about this come back to this <laughs> see me yeah, well, yeah <laughs> the, oh god the, ga- the games that editors uh, um, professional editors will will play with you I think some sometimes I think they uh, they they're sort of um, not doing the sort of um, feedback shit sandwich thing they're doing a sort of um, so they will over-criticise things. So you think you've won some. Ah, yes. And then um, you go, you go. oh, no, that's okay. Take that, um, take that fuck out. Uh, but you're going to leave me with that wanker later. That's all right. Um, and then they go, okay, they go, oh, we can't have balls in. Which is exactly the reverse of what Matt Parker and or Matt Stone and Trey Parker did with South Park. Uh, I think other directors have done this uh, as well, is they write uh they they add a, a whole bunch more gross profanity that's not needed so that the sense well not the sensors but the film classification boards feel like they've got something to do uh and then they can go and and cross out and, and underline and write in red and say no this you know you can't have 
uh, this classification if you're going to use this language. And so they, they then get to actually use the three fucks that they wanted instead of having to fight for them um, earlier. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting to know that editors do it from the other way around. There's um there's a there's a an old um, Michael Palin written forward to Monty Python book I think which says something like uh, in this book we have to apologise for the four fucks three and a bugger but as you're past them now in the introduction <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh that's gorgeous uh, and now let's move on. Lintilla is an archaeologist with millions of clones. She and all her clones were played by Rula Lenska, who later went on to voice the guide in its bird form. She has millions of clones because of a malfunction, which meant the cloning machine got halfway through making one clone before starting the next, so it was impossible to stop it without committing murder. Eventually, the manufacturers concocted a plan to marry all of the clones off to some hastily made male clones, adding a line to the contract that meant they were agreeing to cease to be. Mr. Bounds, I know a hang on about this kind of stuff a lot, but why didn't Lintilla make it into the second book? I don't know. Um, All right then, well. <laughs> no, I was going um, to make a comparison um, with um, the cricket robots, actually, uh, for this. Um, because there's another, that's another instance in the, I know not original radio series, but they worked brilliantly on radio. Mm. Um and there's something about you know that whole thing um, where uh, the pictures are better on the radio. Yes, um, it's actually true. It's certainly true that the sound is better on the radio. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. The sound design of the cricket robots in in that third series is great. Well, Fred, the supernatural brigade certainly seems to be out in force here at Lord's today. Yeah, I think it's wonderful. And that there's a there's a thing in the in the um, in life, the universe, anything where we talks about the. The, the sound of a hundred thousand robots saying <laughs> whop at once. Um, that's it. One, two, three. Whop. So that is brilliantly done. But also in the description of it, my brain couldn't really cope with what the eye. So it's, it's a very abstract and very confusing and very difficult um, whop uh, to, to create. So even though the radio sound is good but can't possibly be right it does give you a better approximation and something to build on something to 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 work with to get close to it and i'm going to say that maybe radio does this with the view of many many clones in a better way than either film or tv could and written down good i think it's interesting, isn't it? I, I've never seen any discussion in any of the sort of um, Hitchhiker's stuff I've read about whether or not Douglas tried to write the Shoe Event Horizon Lintilla stuff down and it didn't work, or whether or not he just decided it, it didn't fit the plot when he was writing the second book. Yeah, I think, I think the Shoe Event Horizon made it in. I think we discussed this before, and I think John, as someone who's, I think, only read the books, uh, I think you... Mm-hmm. You disavowed me of the of the idea that it wasn't in there. And I, I think, having gone through it myself, I think it is. It is, but not in as great a detail. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And he puts it on uh, Frogstar B, Frogstar World B, as opposed to the planet of Brontetal. Um And uh, and I, I, yeah, I, I think it is a shame um, because I think there is some there's some good stuff in there because we talked uh, way back uh, in the A's about artificial disabilities, which is something that Lintilla decides to burden herself with in order to make her life. Uh, better in order to sort of achieve more because she's got this false adversity and or adversity because adversity isn't a word 
but there's and, and that's something you only get with Lintilla. Uh, and I think the the whole idea of it is cool that you know that you've got this this woman who's got millions of clones because of this of this ethical dilemma uh and i you know i think that whole problem that whole thing is is really interesting and it's it's a shame that we only get a couple of episodes of of the second radio series to to explore that is it uh, a weird tangent to talk about the new recent radio series have either of you heard that not yet i i, no. I do mean to go back to it but um i haven't heard it yet i'm not go- i'm not going to spoil it for you but i was just going to uh, say that it would be an it would it would have been an interest that sort of stuff would have been an interesting idea to explore. There were ideas, uh, early ideas that haven't been sort of overcooked. Um, some of those ideas could have um, could have been could have been used in it. I think there was um, the bits that have made it into the series are perhaps not the ones I'd have chosen that were floating around waiting waiting to be used. Um, it's in, it's enjoyable. But it's, yeah, it hasn't, it didn't, I don't think it made me think. I'll tell you what, though, Lintilla could have had a great career as a stage magician, as anyone who's seen The Prestige will know. <laughs> and uh, that is it for another week. Thank you very much for listening. You can follow John, Mr. Hickman over there, at John Hickman on Twitter, that is. You can follow John Bounds at Bounder, and you can follow me, if you want to, at I am Stedman. Thank you so much again for listening. And don't forget, BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote. BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote. And uh, do pop our name in for the listener's choice. We won't win, but it's nice to at least play the game. Um, we will be back again next week so until then share and enjoy But going back to Laszlar himself, Mr. Hickman, do you think Adams might have... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <fucking hell. laughs> she was asleep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christ. wept. <laughs>